Warning, the following message may be offensive to some audiences. These audiences may include but are not limited to professing Christians who never read their Bible, sissies, sodomites, men with man buns, those who approve of men with man buns, man bun enablers, white knights for men with man buns, homemakers who have finished Netflix but don't know how to meal plan, and people who refer to their pets as fur babies. Viewer discretion is advised. People are tired of hearing nothing but doom and despair on the radio. The message of Christianity is that salvation is found in Christ alone, and any who reject Christ therefore forfeit any hope of salvation, any hope of heaven. The issue is that humanity is in sin and the wrath of Almighty God is hanging over our heads. They will hear his words, they will not act upon them, and when the floods of divine judgment, when the fires of wrath come, they will be consumed and they will perish. God wrapped himself in flesh, condescended, and became a man, died on the cross for sin, was resurrected on the third day, has ascended to the right hand of the Father, where he sits now to make intercession for us. Jesus is saying there is a group of people who will hear his words, they will act upon them, and when the floods of divine judgment come in that final day, their house will stand. Welcome to Bible Bash, where we aim to equip the saints for the works of ministry by answering the questions you're not allowed to ask. We're your hosts, Harrison Kerrig and Pastor Tim Mullet, and today we'll answer the age-old question, is mental illness a myth? Now, this is this might be some, the one that maybe a lot of Christians, they hear that question and they're like, of course it's real. What are you talking about? Are you crazy? Right? But right. I think the, I think um, this is sort of the issue that we have that we're going to end up having to address uh, probably on the front end of this episode is just how much this type of psychological ideology has really infiltrated the church. Right, Tim? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's really uh, remarkable when you think about like this category of mental illness in general. Uh, because it, it is a category that is distinct from, you know, what you might describe as biological illness. So the whole idea of mental illness is that, um, you know, just as the body can get sick, so also the mind can get sick. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you think about that assumption in general, it's a fairly absurd assumption. And, you know, most people don't appreciate how absurd this assumption actually is. And this kind of goes to your comment that it's, I mean, the the idea of mental illness has been uh, so pervasive in our society and so frequently taught. Uh, It's the air we breathe right now. And, you know, many people just haven't stopped to think about what they're actually being asked to accept. And, you know, if they just did a little bit of research into this kind of topic and just thought about what they're being asked to accept, they might find that like this, this idea is fairly preposterous. It's, it's uh, very uh, counterintuitive. And, um, you know, why have we swallowed so much of this idea in general? Uh, so, you know, but as, as it goes, this is the standard state of affair. This is the air you breathe. And, you know, there's no easier way to um, get, you know, quote unquote, Christians mad at you uh, than to, question you know the legitimacy of any of these you know dsm5 mental illnesses that are out there so with that being said what would your answer to the question be is mental illness a myth well it yeah i mean it's a it's a fantastical fairy tale um that is born out of materialism it's is is a myth it's it's worse than a myth it's like a 
it's a it's a fairy tale, man. Like it's just um, like you know, if you for you to believe in mental illness, you have to essentially believe in magic. It's like it's that bad. <laughs> uh, so, like meaning meaning like um, so like um, like what what's happening here is that there's just profound category errors that are being made as it relates to this subject, and it's so convoluted that. Um, you know, what you're being asked to believe is multiple contradictory illogical things all at once, even to make sense of what is actually being argued. So, you know, at a popular level, what's actually happening, you know, when you think about what's happening at a popular level is that when you talk about mental illness, people immediately think brain problem, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but then like, that's not really what mental illness is. Okay. <laughs> like, okay. So what is it? I mean, so like if you have a normal brain problem, that'd be like Alzheimer's or dementia or something like that. That would be a brain problem. That would be where your brain is deteriorating. You can do a brain scan and you can see that this brain is abnormal in that way. And there's there's objective evidence of pathology. There's objective tissue damage. And so like traditional like medicine is going to deal with pathology. It's going to deal with uh, tissue damage or malfunction. There's some so, kind of know, physical damage is what you're saying. Right, right. Yeah. So if I break my leg, I go to the doctor they're going to be able to run a test and they're going to show that my leg is broken, if that makes sense, right? Right, yeah. Right, so my leg is broken. Like they're going to be able to run a test and see, hey, look, here's your x-ray and this shows that your leg is broken and it's cracked here and, you know, this is the solution. You know, if, if you have cancer, they're going to be able to run a series of tests that show that you have an overproduction of cells and they're going to be able to demonstrate that through objective test. So like the whole idea of mental illness was that... um like this is a category distinct from biological illness. Like that's what the whole idea of mental illness is. Mm-hmm. It's a category that's distinct from biological illness that's resulting from pathology. So you come up with like what the psychologists did, it was very clever, is that they've kind of they're a pseudoscientific kind of endeavor. And what they've done is they've like attached themselves onto the medical community like a parasite. And <laughs> and that's what they've done. Like they're like a leech, you know, sucking at the <laughs> Uh, you know, the, the medical community as a host, you know, in that way, uh, but then feeding they, off the they, life force of their they life. Have, force. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what they've done is they've attached themselves to that. And then they began to package all of their language in the language of medical disorder. So all of your psychological labels are packaged in this like language of medical disorder. So you have obsessive compulsive disorder, you have, um, you have a uh, general anxiety uh, disorder, general anxiety disorder, right? You have attention uh, deficit hyperactivity disorder, right? So all of it is language uh, labeled in this language of or uh, disorder. And, and, but then like the whole idea was though, it started as a discipline distinct from medicine, me- meaning that, you know, traditional medicine deals with pathology, you know, um, Psychology is not dealing with pathology. It's dealing. With, it's not dealing with organic illness. It's dealing with like this nebulous category of mental illness. Now, what's happened in the mind of many people is that because we're so accustomed to using medical language to describe mental disorders now, in in people's minds, they just assume that there's some biological etiology behind mental illness. Right. They assume that like there's there's some kind of organic problem that is essentially it's a brain problem of some some sort. Uh, and so, you know, half the time what you're having is you're having people who are treating this as if it's an organic problem mm-hmm. with yeah. no evidence behind that. It's just, that's just the air you breathe. That's the assumption there. There's, this is a mental disorder. And what do you not understand? It's a 
it's a brain problem, man. Like, are you anti-science, you know, anti-medicine? It's, it's so like the drugs are packaged as medicine. The, 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 the disorders, you know, are packaged as, um, they're packaged as like, you know, medical problems in the same kind of language. And so half the time people think, okay, this is a biological problem here. And the other half of the time you, you have people talking about like it as it actually is, is that, you know, you witness a terrible event and then your brain gets sick. Right. Right. Yeah. And so like, meaning you have some kind of glitch in the program, you have some kind of glitch in your thoughts. And, and so, you know, you have to ask yourself, what realm are we in? Like, what are we even saying right now? Right. Mm -hmm. Like, are we in like a biological medical realm? Are we in this magical materialistic um, brain sickness, thought sickness kind of realm? And like when, when you think about how the categories actually work, these are the labels that are given once all the medical tests run empty. And this is not some sort of organic problem. This is a different category of problem that is packaged in similar language as the other. And then when you step back and you think about what's actually happening, you realize that this is like magical fairy tale kind of nonsense, you know? So like, just let me give you an example. So like, imagine like what you're being asked to believe in like treating this as if it's an illness, what you're being asked to believe is that like, let's say you witness with your eyes a wreck, right? So you watch a wreck happen mm -hmm. and what you're being asked to believe is the act of you viewing that wreck somehow like results in you having a broken leg or something. Does that make sense? Makes complete total 100% sense. <laughs> <laughs> now I know you're lying. I actually <laughs> had that happen to me the other day. <laughs> you, you watched a traumatic event and then your leg snapped My, just instantaneously. Just, yeah, on its own. I mean, it was wild. I've never crazy. seen that before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but that's what you're being, so like with traditional medicine, you know, like you, um, you get hit by a baseball bat, your leg breaks. There's, there's some like cause, right? There's some physical cause that's going to result in this physical problem. Right. And so what you're being asked to believe as it relates to, you know, this idea of mental illness is that somehow, like if you see, like if you're treated poorly or you see terrible things, it's like, uh, somehow like you're, all of a sudden you are left with some sort of organic problem as a result of that. And it's just like, this is magic. This is a fairy tale. This is, this is not logical. This is not reasonable. This is not rational. This is not the way things actually work. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it, I think it's really important that people understand you've said this already, but I, I want to restate it because I see people do this all the time where they try and, they try and take what you're saying and brush it completely aside by, by making some sort of, you know, uh, by posing some sort of question. That's really not a question, uh, where they basically right. say, Oh, so you don't believe that, you know, there can be like damage to the brain or so something along right. those lines. Like, Oh, but not by witnessing a dramatic event. I don't. Right. Right. And, <laughs> and what I, what I don't think people really understand is that, you know, with these various sort of sorts of like disorders as, as they're often referred to as those are when all of the physical tests have shown nothing, uh, is biologically that, wrong with, right, right. There's nothing wrong with them. There's, there's no physical reason for them to be experiencing what they're experiencing. There's no, uh, you know, there's no gland dysfunction. 
There's no physical tissue damage. You know, there's no decaying of the brain. Nothing, nothing like that. There's zero percent physical damage in these situations. And so, so when you get these sort of, when you get into like the sort of depression, um, anxiety, PTSD sort of realm, when you get into those areas, you have officially left the, uh, you, or you've officially exhausted the, um, potential for this to be some sort of, yeah. Um, uh, for it to be some sort of physical ailment with you, you've completely left that behind. So, so I think people need to understand that when we're having this conversation, we're past all that already. No one, no one is saying those things don't exist because obviously, you know, like obviously the brain can get damaged. I mean, you, you, you know, I'm a, I'm a football fan and, um, even though we did the episode where we condemned all football fans, uh, for, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, I'm still processing that one, I guess, but, um, unrepentant, yeah. <laughs> but you know, one of the, one of the things that has been a really big controversy over the last decade or so, uh, in, in the sport is, uh, what basically like the results of playing, uh, football for long extended periods of time. And basically, you know, you have, you end up getting various types of, of long-term brain damage done to you. Right. But, but the issue is with those things, they, they can scan the brain and see that there's a difference right. and they can see that there is damage, um, that, that, uh, is a, a, a sufficient explanation for, the change in behavior, the change in mental capability, uh, the change in physical capability as well. And so, so obvious, so obviously like there can be damage to the brain. I mean, it's a physical object, organ, right? Organ, yeah. yeah. And and so obviously there can be damage to it. But then when we're getting into this conversation, when we're talking about uh, really what are, what you and I would describe and, and the Bible would describe as moral categories we have left all of that completely behind. Well, that's the whole thing with, yeah, what people don't understand is that these DSM labels, they're just simple descript- descriptions of thought, behaviors, and emotions that people might experience. So that's all they are. They're descriptions of behavior. Uh, but then the problem is that they're packaged in medical language, and it makes people think that there's some kind of medical uh, problem, some kind of biological problem undergirding right. this. But this is just a simple description of behavior. So you can think about any of these, you know, major depressive disorder or general anxiety disorder, whatever. It, it, that sounds like a medical problem because they've they've worked the system to label it like because that it's how it, because it's how you would name any other sort of uh, disorder. Yeah. Right, right. It's it's how you yeah. would describe it. Yeah. So what they've done is like, what's happening is you just have to like a clash of worldviews here. So uh, psychology basically is a competing worldview with the Bible and people don't realize this, but this, this is how it started. You know, Freud set out to um, essentially provide a Darwinian materialistic uh, explanation for human behavior that would be a competing explanation with the Bible. So it used to be that people would go and, you know, if they have a problem of thought, behavior or emotions, um, you know, emotions kind of a, a recent word, but if they have a, you know, problem of thoughts, behavior, affections, uh, feelings, they would go and talk to a pastor. But then, you know, psychology packaged itself as like an alternative to soul care in that way, and it was a materialistic alternative. And so we have two different presuppositions here that are undergirding these various pro- projects. And so, you know, from a biblical worldview, what you believe is that 
Like we have souls, right? We're moral yeah. beings. We're created in the image of God. And all of our problems are not essentially material. Like we're not materialist as Christians. We're not like we believe that like we have heart, right? Yeah. It's not just the organ that pumps blood. Like we have an inner man and our problems are fundamentally moral. We have sin problems and we have um, our, our, our will is tied in bondage to sin. So like our starting point is I'm totally depraved and I'm a moral being and everything can't be reduced to the physical. That's my starting point. That's the Bible's starting point. It's unashamedly the Bible's starting point. And so then uh, the Darwinian framework on the other side is like their starting point is materialism. It's, it's uh, brute materialism, okay? Mm-hmm. And so what that means is that everything has to be a material cause in their worldview. Like that's the way it is, mm-hmm. you, like, right? So you look at human beings with a materialistic worldview and what you what you think is like we're just complex machines, man. Like that's all we are. We're complex machines. And so if we're complex machines, and you see one human being curled up in a ball after he witnessed a traumatic event, right? Mm-hmm. Curl up in a ball and refuses to move on with his life, and you know another human being witnessed the same event and didn't behave that way, right? So you look at a general population, 80% of them don't curl up in a ball, 20% do. Then you're looking at that 20% and you're saying, well, it must be, there must be something structurally wrong with them. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like it has to be something structurally wrong with them because all they are is a computer. So it must be a hardware problem here. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like it must be a glitch in the, in the, like it must be a hardware problem. We need to fix something, right? They must, like it must be like, so the presupposition that undergirds it, it must be some sort of brain problem because we know that brain controls all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So you're looking at that, you say it must be a brain problem. The problem is that like none, none of our science can prove it's a brain problem. We're just trusting by faith that it must be because we have a, we put on the materialistic lens. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And so you see, like, so you see, certain people are more prone to depression. Well, it must be genetic, man. You know, right? It can't be that they've been trained by their parents to be, you know, worry warts or, you know, depressed or, you know, have no joy in their life. It must be a structural problem. And so what's happening is like the whole field of mental illness is, it's like a, it's basically a competing um, uh, field to traditional medicine. It's like a, it's another field that's essentially trying to observe people and, and answer the question, well, why do they do what they do? Right. So why are they? acting the way they're acting. And so when you see any deviation from normal, right? So you have normal and you have a deviation. Uh, One of those deviations could be like general anxiety disorder. Another could be major depressive disorder. Another could be bipolar disorder. Another could be obsessive compulsive disorder. These are all deviations from normal. Normal people don't act like that way. They, They don't act that way. And it must be a glitch. So it must be a material cause that's undergirding this. That's the assumption that's required to do business. Mm-hmm. And so then you look at that and you say, it must be something wrong with them structurally. Whereas the Bible would say, we're moral, we're made in the image of God, our mind or will, emotions, it's all affected by sin. So I look at someone who is engaging in behaviors that the Bible says um, are wrong, and I'm going to think it, they have a heart problem. The materialist is going to think they have a biology problem. Now, it doesn't matter that they don't know what that biological problem is. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, yeah. But explain it a little bit for us. But it doesn't matter if they know or not. They trust by faith. There must be one. So even if we haven't discovered what it is yet, 
they trust by faith it has to be some sort of structural problem we haven't come up with the answer to yet. And then the only solutions that are going to fix it are going to be material solutions mm -hmm. like drugs, yeah. right? Right. So we may not know what it is yet, right? But we know that all we are is just a complicated machine. And so whatever's happening there, you have a deviation from normal. They don't want to suffer from this thing, right? You package it all in the language of illness. It's assumed to be a biological problem. And then when you say it over and over and over again, right? You say it over and over and over and over again. They're suffering from depression. They're suffering from anxiety. You know, um, they're suffering from obsessive compulsive disorder. You say it over and over and over again, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, they're suffering from mental illness. And then people, they've just been brainwashed to not even question what they're being asked to believe here, right? Right. And so like, they're being asked to believe that fundamentally all we are is matter in a complicated complex machines and that every problem is structural and so all of these things like so the bible has nothing to say to any of these things like you can you can say all day long you know, the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long suffering gentleness meekness kindness faithfulness self-control and it doesn't matter because they just it just goes in their ears and out the other ear and yeah. they say hey but they're sick they're sick man <laughs> Right, right, right. Like they're sick. They have an illness. What part of mental illness do you not understand? And then I look at them and I say, what part of mental illness do you, do you not understand? Right? Like this is the label that you give people when all the medical tests run up empty. Mm -hmm. And like you're being persuaded that this is somehow like you, you're, you're being led to believe that there's some kind of, there must be some material cause that no one knows what it is. Right. right. And then the chemical imbalance theory has been disproven. We don't all know what it is. It doesn't matter. You just trust by faith. It's an illness, man. And you're just trying to beat people over the head who are suffering from an illness. You hateful bigot. Right. Right. And like they need to get the help that they need. And you're standing in the way of that. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Right. And so, I mean, like, you know, I, I guess I've always been the kind of person who has unpopular thoughts. Right. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, growing up, I mean, you know, you've thought this, you know, you've thought like looking at murder trials and you see like the, def you know, the defendant uh, taking the insanity plea. Right. Mm -hmm. And the, the, like he was in his right mind killing the person and all of a sudden he's gone, you know, clinically insane right now. And he's appealing to this category of mental illness. And you're looking at that and you had to have thought in your life at some point, man, that's a convenient excuse isn't it yeah yeah <laughs> that sounds pretty good right like i mean i could be a normal functioning person my whole entire life no one ever identified it but now all of a sudden i get declared you know clinically insane and then i get absolved from all moral responsibility for my action uh, this seems like a pretty good deal right and so but then that's like what you're being asked to believe is that a normal person who can go along their life in a normal way can all of a sudden be given this label that, you know, identifies them as sick. And then that removes all moral accountability for their action, despite the fact that nothing physically happened to them. And, and so like, that's what, it's just a magic fairy tale. Like that's what right. it is. Now, um, it might be helpful at this point to take a moment and, and as clearly as we can define what we're talking about when we're saying, when we're talking about mental illness, what exactly are we talking about? Because in my experience, I feel like I've seen, I, f I feel like I've seen that word be used 
to cover a lot of different things. So I feel like I've I've seen it uh, be used to cover things like anxiety and depression, um, uh, which it seems like we're probably more talking about those kinds of things. Um, but then I've also seen it used to cover things like mental retardation, for example. Um, and, and probably, you know, other things that are just actually like, there is some sort of physical problem with their brain and their development or, or whatever. So, so can you just sort of, uh, refine the definition for us? So everyone knows what exactly it is we are talking about here. Yeah. Yeah. So the, uh, DSM DSM is basically the diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorders. And what you're going to find is like the DSM, basically all these labels. So the vast majority of these labels are mental illness, basically, right? Uh -huh. As distinguished from physical illness. But then like the problem though, is that there's, you know, there's a few outliers in there, like, you know, dementia and all that, mm -hmm. <laughs> that are smuggled into there to make it sound more impressive than what it actually is. <laughs> But the vast majority of these labels are simply this category of mental illness as distinct distinct from biological illness. And so what you have is you, just, you can just take almost any label in the DSM and you're going to have a, a, a an example of a mental illness. And basically all these labels, as you read through all these labels, the vast majority of them, you're going to see that like no medical tests are being done to perform these things. And so just look up any any you know, instance in the DSM, like general anxiety disorder, look that up. And, and what you're going to find is that it rules out any medical organic cause. So this is the mm -hmm. label that they um, give people once all of the medical tests come up empty. So there's no t medical test that anyone has ever performed um, to determine a person that has uh, general anxiety disorder or major depressive disorder or post-traumatic stress disorder or obsessive compulsive disorder. These like, like they're, they're not running medical tests to, to, to uh, come up with these things. And so what these things are is they're just simple descriptions of behavior, right? Mm -hmm. So you take something like um, general anxiety disorder, take something like that. It's just a simple description of behavior. Meaning if you have a person who for six month period of time, um, persistent six months, more days than not, they are filled with excessive anxiety and worry, uh, in that affects their life in a statistically, you know, significant way. Meaning, it's just like if they, if they, um, if they're characterized by life-dominating anxiety for more days than not, like for a six-month period. And then there's a few other. I mean, there's some other checklists that you're going to look at that. But I mean, yeah, like know, it's just sleeping the, too much or not or sleeping enough or. Yeah, eating too, too much, much, not eating enough, <laughs> those kinds of significant things. Significant weight lane or get weight loss, you know, uh, psychomotor agitation, all that kind of stuff. Right, but none of that's medical. So it's just a simple description of a phenomenon that's being described in the language of disorder. Mm -hmm. And so what mental illness is, is just problems of thoughts and behavior that, you know, and mood that people are, you know, suffering from. Uh, and so you just put a label on it and all that is, is it, all it is, is a description. Yeah. That's it. Mm -hmm. So it's just a description. Like, so, you know, major depressive disorder, yeah, two week period of time, unexplained sorrow and sadness. Right. Right. <laughs> so it's just a description of like a person who for two weeks feels unexplained sorrow and sadness is affecting their life. Right. Moving slower, you know, um, and, and there's, you know, other symptoms of it, but that's, that's all, these are categorizations of phenomenon, nothing more. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
So when you're talking about mental illness, you're talking about you categorize, simple categorizations in the main of behavior that have no medical tests that are being run to demonstrate them. And so then, you know, they're worded in the language of disorder. But then the problem is that, like, you know, this is psychology's Bible. They're basically just giving us an alternative explanation for the phenomenon that we observe. So if you, you look at someone who, like, is labeled as clinically depressed, like, you can look at what the Bible says about that, and you would describe them as, you know, a person characterized by despair or, or you know, worldly sorrow, mm-hmm. guilt, shame, condemnation. But the problem is that none of those moral labels can stick once you have the scientific, pseudoscientific label that's put on it. Yeah. And yeah. So it's the, basically the, serving as an excuse or like a cover right. for you. Well, but then it's, um, you know, this is how psychology formed. It's like, this is an alternative worldview here. And so what's actually happening is like, these are two competing views of the world, right? Mm-hmm. So do they have general anxiety disorder that sounds medical, despite the fact that no medical tests are being run to show it, or are they sinfully worried, right? Right. And so if you come along and say they're sinfully worried, then you, the, the person who buys the materialistic label, they're going to say, you're a hateful bigot. You hate these people and you're, you know, leading to their deaths and all that. Right. Huh, yeah. <laughs> right. So, but they're just two different categorizations. One is a moral categorization, right. Mm-hmm. That assumes that we're culpable. Human beings were responsible for how we respond to the world, how we think, how we feel, you know, how we respond to the world. So one's a moral label. The other is a materialistic label that is packaged in the language of illness. And so, you know, what worldview do you want? Do you want the Bible's worldview or do you want the materialist worldview? And those two things can't meet, uh, mix. And that's where, you know, you have all the, you know, the psychologists come along to say, hey, you know, I've accepted the materialistic worldview and I throw some Bible verses in there. And so what's wrong with that? And it's like, we have two worldview, we have a worldview problem here, right? Yeah. This is a clash of worldview. One is a supernatural worldview. One is a materialistic worldview. And you can't fit these two things together. Either they're suffering from an illness, right? That's mm-hmm. materialistic. That uh, has some kind of material origin, or this is a spiritual problem. And what path you go down has dramatically, you know, different consequences. Mm-hmm. And then we would, you know, we would say obviously that the, you know, the Christian worldview is the one to go with, not the materialistic worldview that is saying right. things like depression, anxiety, those types of things are um, their illness. Their illness, right? We yeah. we would not agree with that at all. Now. When it comes to, um, you you mentioned that there really isn't anything to back up what they're claiming, right? Right. Um, but it seems like a lot of people have basically just accepted at face value that there is. Uh, so why right. so why do you say that there's not any sort of like scientific proof to prove that um, these issues are merely just an illness that is plaguing someone? Uh, as opposed to an actual moral failure. Yeah, but there's not because there's no medical test therapy. I mean, all right, so you can approach it in different ways. One one of the ways you approach it is because if the Bible says that I trust by faith that the Bible is true and what God says is true. And so, if, you know, I'm going to lean on his categories. And so there's a simple childlike faith you have in the Bible. So the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control. And you see a person come along who has no love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, <laughs> faithfulness, self, right? Because they have major depressive disorder. Yeah. Then what you do is you just say, hey, I'm going to believe the Bible over and against the materialistic framework. Okay. 
so I mean, you you shouldn't you don't have to know anything about the science just to say I'm going to go with the Bible here, you know. And now, if you know something about the origin of psychology and how it came about, then you realize that this was the goal of the project, okay? Like this was a Darwinian project to try to give an alternative explanation for human behavior than the spiritual, moral, supernatural one that we're talking about, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, like these are two different teams. And if you know anything about history, you could say, hey, these two teams are doing the opposite thing and they're intentionally setting out to contradict the guys on your team, man. Yeah, you know? it was an atheistic uh, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, you know, the Darwinian alternative to soul care. That's what yeah. it was. All right. So then, um, you no, know, but even leaving all that aside, right? So leaving aside that God says it and that's good, you know, I believe that's good enough for me, just look, dealing with them on their own terms. You can go to a doctor and they're not going to run any medical test on you to determine you have major um, depressive disorder. They're not going to run any medical test on you to determine you have general anxiety disorder. Mm -hmm. You can look at them and you say, hey, show me a medical test to show that there's something wrong with me. And it's like, well, that's not how it works, right? Right. <laughs> like, uh, there's nothing wrong with you. There's no evidence of tissue damage or malfunction, right? Well, then why are you giving me this label, right? Uh, so like the issue is like, there is no test to determine any of these things. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, so there's no test to, to, to determine. Now there's research that goes on behind the scenes to try to like, uh, see if they can, you know, compare the, you know, like, so, <laughs> like here is what a depressed person's brain looks like. And it shows like the, um, the scans. Yeah, like you know how the you know neurons are firing and all that, and then this is a normal, healthy brain, so to speak. But that doesn't prove anything, right? Like that's not proving anything. All that's showing is that, yeah, you know, if you're weighed down by guilt, shame, and condemnation, I'm sure that your brain is a fog. But like the issue is a chicken egg issue, right? Like right. what's causing it is like you know David says when he held on to a sin, his body wasted away. So you know when we're holding on to guilt and shame and condemnation, doesn't it make our brain you know feel sluggish and and you know slow moving and you know like like those things happen. Like so you can look at brain activity scans, but that doesn't prove cause, right? That's not showing etiology. That's not showing cause of any of this stuff. And so like the the, the issue is in none of these. Um, kinds of scenario is there any like objective science that undergirds it or any medical tests that are being run to determine you know any of these things and yeah it, for, for many years we all believed the you know, many people believe the chemical imbalance myth but then that was shown to be just you know anti-scientific but right now it's like it's not a matter of me just saying there's no scientific evidence there's just not right well what's interesting what's interesting is you know i was reading this article that you had sent me and, um, and I, I'm, there's two articles that I, I really do. I want to link in the description for, uh, for reason. Then I want people to go and, and read both of them because they're basically from the two opposing, um, Christian positions here. Um, uh, one, one article is arguing that the Bible and psychology are meant to intertwine and the other, right. the other is arguing that the Bible is sufficient and that psychology is, is basically a scam. Um, and there, there is this one really interesting quote from here that I wanted to read. And, and the author was citing, um, Dr. Thomas Saz, I guess it's, it's S Z A S Z. So however you say that, but the, uh, the quote says from, from Dr. Saz, uh, <laughs> 
in plain language, what do patient and psychotherapists actually do? They speak and listen to each other. That, that, so that's their summary. And this is coming from a person who um, approves of psychology. Dr. Saz, they speak and listen to each other. What do they speak about? Narrowly put, the patient speaks about himself and the therapist speaks about the patient. Each tries to move the other to see or do things in a certain way. So that sounds very different from, you know, like you compare that to like, all right, I've, I think I've broken my leg. I'm going to go to the doctor. You know, obviously there's like some patient doctor interaction. (laughs) Obviously therapy is therapy, man. What, what part of therapy do you not understand? Yeah, you're right. Foolish me. What was I thinking? Never mind. Strike the whole point. <laughs> no, I <laughs> mean, see, obviously you see like the point though. Yeah. Like, like, like if you compare that, like, Hey, okay. It's a, I'm going to a therapist and we're just going to talk about what's going on versus like, Hey, I think I've broken my leg. I'm going to go to a doctor. Now, obviously that doctor is going to ask me questions. He's going to interact with me, you know, Hey, how bad is the pain? What do you think you did? But then the, all of those questions are leading to trying to, trying to find the evidence of the injury. Right. And provide a material solution. Right. 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 To an organic problem. Right. 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 So, but th- that's like the whole point is that, what they've done is they're a parasite discipline and they package everything they're doing in medical language. So they describe what they're doing, talking as therapy. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we treat it as if it's therapy, but it's just like, that's not what a doctor does. Like a doc, like this is why, this is why I'm describing it as like magic. Right. It's like magic that we're talking about. Like a doctor doesn't talk to your leg in order to heal your (laughs) leg. Right. I mean, leave that like to the, the faith healers, man. <laughs> right. Well, that's, that's why what we're taught, what we're being asked to believe is magic, right? Like, like we're, we're being asked to believe that like the therapist talking to you is going to like magically fix the neuron firings in your brain and, right. you know, give the appropriate chemicals and all that. It's like nonsense. This is not therapy. This is not like all the, the words are lies. This is not therapy. This is not illness. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, like these are not drugs. I, I mean, these are not medicine, right? So this is not medicine. This is not therapy. This is not illness, right? You're talking to people and you're giving them tranquilizers or happy pills. Like, you, you know, so all the words are lies, right? Uh, and so, but then when you tell them to people over and over and over again, they they start to believe you and they, right. they you know, they just, you know, they've been brainwashed. Everyone's been thoroughly brainwashed and they can't even see like that. This is obviously not the same as the other thing anymore. Well, and, and I think part of part of why it's been so successful is because it is such an emotionally charged subject to begin with, right? And so, not only do you have this whole like, hey, we'll package we'll package these things in a way uh, that makes them sound a lot more scientific than just you know one person talking to another person about their issues, but then on top of that. There are issues that are inherently very emotionally charged. And so when you challenge them in any sort of way that that puts the blame on the person who is feeling those emotions, then inevitably, you know, for anyone who loves their sin, they're going to get they're going to get defensive about that. Right. 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 And um, and then simultaneously, when you when you provide an answer 
that takes all of that blame off of them for whatever reason, they're naturally going to go towards that. I mean, like any, any sinful person is naturally going to say, give me whatever will make me feel like I'm not guilty. It's, it's the biggest, I mean, it's like the, like if you talk about Satan's schemes and like some of the most successful schemes that he's ever had, like psychology is probably by far and away, like one of the best things he ever did. You know, (laughs) I can can think of like, (laughs) it's one of his finest works. It's one of his finest works. You got to give him props for it, man. Like, I mean, you really do. It's just like, man, that respect, right? Like, uh, like I don't, that. I mean, I don't know that I have to say, say that, but okay. <laughs> you got to give the devil his respect. due, man. Like, you you got to give the devil his due, man, on this one, because this is a, this was a good one. This was a good plan. I mean, but think about it. I mean, his whole, his whole thing is, did God say, right? Right. Yeah. Did God say, did God really say, I mean, he's the father of lies. He's the, you know, spirit that works in the sons of disobedience. Like his goal is to get you to disobey God. And like what he's done is he's provided you a materialistic, scientific, you know, quasi-medical sounding explanation to like basically violate everything the Bible says. Right. <laughs> like so every single behavioral problem you can imagine has a psychological label attached to it. Like every single behavioral problem that you can possibly think about like the entirety of the human experience, it has a psychological label attached to it. Right. Right. So like, so meaning like you can, you get that label, you are suffering from organic illness in the minds of many people and you have a medical excuse to not do what God says. Like kleptomania. What is that? Stealing all the time. Irresistible, <laughs> irresistible stealing. <laughs> <laughs> Nymphomaniac, man. Like, no, but think about it. Like all, like every, ba- like, so you have a disobedient child, you got labels to put on that, right? right? Oppositional defiant disorder. <laughs> man. You have a label for every sin. Like you have a materialistic, and that's what it is. Like the psychology, this is why it's psychology's Bible, is that they've labeled every single behavioral problem yeah. with a medical sounding label that you can lean on, right? Mm-hmm. So it like it what is fits of anger in the Bible? Well, in meta, in therapeutic language, it's intermittent displos- explosive disorder. <laughs> like that's <laughs> that's how absurd it is. Like you know, you have no category for sin in this worldview. Like there's no category for sin in, right. in psychology worldview. And so you have all these labels that are describing every kind of sin imaginable. And you know, the more people lean on these labels, the more that they absolve themselves of all moral accountability for everything. Now, what's what's happened is that, like, with the behaviors, we still, like, the issue is, like, most people with the behaviors in general are kind of like, um, hey, you, you know, you can't, you know, you can't blame that sexual issue on that label kind of thing for the most part, right? For the for the most part, mm-hmm. uh, but then, uh, but then when it comes to like problems of mood. Like there's just a wholesale abdication of all moral accountability right. whatsoever. We totally lean on like these labels. And so like we, we don't have a category for worldly sorrow in a psychological worldview. We don't have a category for despair in a, in a, in a psychological lab, label uh, kind of framework. Um, so you have no category for ever like rebuking someone for like these moods, these feelings that they have, these emotions that are, you know, overpowering and unwelcome. I mean, it doesn't matter if you like never give thanks your whole life. Right. You can blame it on your depression. 
right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're constantly worried every single day, right? If it's emotion, if it's a if it's an emotion, if it's a mood, like we just we lean on the psychological labels, but there's labels for everything. Like so, OCD, bipolar, you know, PTSD. There's labels for everything under the oppositional defiant disorder. There's labels. So I understand why the secular world would accept these things because, I, because, you know, the Bible says they love the darkness. They hated the light. Um, you know, they're going to, they're going to run to anything that, that removes their guilt or that makes them feel like their guilt has been removed from them. So I understand why, why they would, um, why they would accept something like this. But it seems like the church as well has widely accepted this. So what, what is the reason for the church integrating what seems to be two completely different uh, competing worldviews and has tried to reconcile them together? Well, we've just been brainwashed, man. We've been brainwashed by, like, we've, you know, you tell the lie over and over again. So that was Joseph Goebbels' philosophy of propaganda. You tell the you know, the big lie over and over again, and pretty soon people won't believe it. And I mean, and, and what's happened is this is just the air we breathe that, you know, we, we live in a world that's dominated by all these languages and with all this, like with all these labels and, and what, what's happened, you know, in the main is that, um, like it's just been a big deception. So if you, if you, if you keep on using the language of disorder, you keep on using all the medical language. I mean, who's looked into, you know, obsessive compulsive disorder, right? Mm -hmm. No, no one's looked into obsessive compulsive. Who's looked into post-traumatic stress disorder? Like who's actually like sat down on the internet, pulled up and said, let me, what are the diagnostic criteria for PTSD? What are the diagnostic criteria for OCD? You know, what are the diagnostic criteria for oppositional defiant disorder? You know, so most people are not looking these things up. They just hear this medical sounding label and then we're taught you know, to have blind faith in the medical community. I mean, that's the same reason why they were able to do what they were doing. They did during the pandemic is because we just have this blind, like, Hey, we're Americans. We have the best medicine in the world kind of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I don't want to live in the, you know, the, you know, the tribe in the backwoods over there and, you know, don't have access to the medical care. And so isn't science wonderful and it hasn't accomplished all these wonderful things. And, and so, but then when you hear these medical selling labels over and over and over again, you know, there's a lot of people who just haven't stopped to question what are we saying here, right? Right. Now, it may be that like with the the oppositional defiant disorder, we all chuckle a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> my my child is suffering from oppositional de defiant disorder, but what what happens with most most red blooded Americans at that point is they just kind of oh, I think they're getting a little carried away here, right? <laughs> uh -huh. Like like here, but you know, with all the other ones, you, you accept them. Right. Mm -hmm. And so part, part of it is just, you've been brainwashed. A, a lot of it is that we just haven't read the Bible and we don't take sanctification very seriously. Right. So, you know, people who try to buy, obey the Bible too much, they're legalist. And, and so part of it's that part of it is just, we love our sin and we, you know, we, we want to latch on to any excuse we can get. And yeah. Itching ears. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I counseled a guy, you know, who was, you know, suffering from ADD and depression and all that. And what that meant was he had a label that would allow him to spend all day long playing video games, right? Mm -hmm. I've counseled many guys like this, but <laughs> there's one guy in particular I'm thinking about. But, like, you get to spend all day long playing video games. It's like, well, yeah, all right. That seems like a pretty good deal, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the same way with, like, you, you murder the person you, you claim to be clinically insane, right? Well, now I don't have to get the death penalty and maybe I get a lighter sentence. And so, I mean, there, there's a very real dynamic that, 
if you can blame it on a label, then you get sympathy. So not only do you get sympathy, but then you get like a pass uh, that, you know, removes moral accountability in your life. And right now, I mean, we live in a victim society where there's this great currency to be found in any kind of victim label that you can get. So not only like, do you have to be cuddled and, you know, treated as a triumphant victim? You you also get praise and pass and everything else. And so there's a lot of things that are working together. So the church has, has pretty much, it seems like pretty much totally accepted this, right? Sure. I think, I think that, um, the older generation has, um, and you have a newer generation coming along that is starting to question some of these things. And so, I think you have a lot of younger people mm-hmm. that are starting to wake up and they're all kind of going to nutrition now. So natural path is their new psychology, but natural path is just a, it's still a materialistic explanation for everything. And so, uh, you know, we made it, we made a joke, uh, last week or something about the red food dye stuff, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like the kind of, the kind of parent who thinks that every, you know, of their child's behavioral problem can be fixed with red food dye. So what you have is you have a lot of like younger people who realize that like, Hey, you know, these drugs, they didn't work with my parents and, you know, my mom was miserable and, you know, like she, my mom was miserable and overweight and hooked on the, all these antidepressants, never went outside, never exercised, you know, always in a bad mood. And then I think they determined to not be like them. Right. Yeah. And they thought, well, why don't we try to eat healthier and get in shape and move more? And and then what they realized is they never suffered from the, you know, quote unquote, suffered from the depression like them. And so then they think, well, like the answer is all material to you know, the opposite way, like diet, exercise, workout. So I think you have a lot of younger people who are leaning that direction now because they saw how like, you know, big pharma basically made a generation of drug addicts, you know, across the board. Right. Um, and I think with all the, you know, the COVID stuff, there's a, you know, all time low right now, faith in the medical community. <laughs> yeah. But, but I mean, this is a, this is a stronghold for so many people like, um, a lot of people haven't got the memo, you know, yet that this is bad. And, you know, when you take away the chemical imbalance theory, they're still stuck on like, well, it must be something right. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't even deter them in the slightest that like, like they could literally be telling you that, you know, you're such an idiot because you didn't realize this is all about a chemical imbalance. And then you could show them the article and it doesn't even phase them. It doesn't even register for them that the whole argument they had has been debunked. They have nothing left, you know, and they're still, it's just blind faith that this is a material problem because they've been brainwashed for so long. So, um, one of the issues I, I mean, like, like I said, the church has been trying to reconcile these two things. Right. And and I asked you why they were trying to reconcile it. Now I just want to ask you, like, what are they actually doing? to try and reconcile two things that seem to be so diametrically opposed to each other. How are they, how are they justifying this? Are you talking about like, yeah, integration kind of psychologists who are trying to like take the Bible and give a few little tips and then give the psychological worldview. What does that look like? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what that looks like is you adopt the label. You you basically just accept the label. So the label itself is like to say, I guess a quasi materialistic label. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like that's what you do. Like you're basically accepting that this is like an organic problem with the label. Um, but then, you know, you sprinkle a few Bible verses on there too, like that, um, that are adding to, 
you know, what you're saying, mm-hmm. you know? So like, uh, yes, like, um, so it's, it's just kind of like a, you know, one, one step and you have like steps in both different worldviews, but I mean, what always gives is the biblical worldview in that way. Right. Um, so it's always the biblical worldview. A lot of the guys who are doing this are just basically just sprinkling a few prosperity verses in there. <laughs> yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, it seems tr- like you know, a lot of self-love and, and, uh, self-love. Yeah. Self-love, trust God, you know, trust God in the midst of it. He has a plan. So, I mean, you could say things like that. Hey, you know, he has a plan for, for you and all of this and, you know, he's good, you know, and, uh, he loves you in the midst of your suffering, you know, kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so you can use Bible verses like that to like, you have the person who suffers from depression and it's, you know, it's viewed in the language of a biological illness. Right. And so you, you can give them like Jesus was near to the brokenhearted, you know, verse, right. Yeah. D- you know, God is here to comfort us in any affliction that we're facing, you know, so you can do that. You're just like, the problem is that you failed at the basic diagnosis. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're using verses in a way that does violence to their intention. Right. So those verses weren't meant to be like cloaks for a vice, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're basically, you're basically twisting scripture at that point to mean what it wasn't meant to be. Right. And yeah. so Jesus and somehow loves you're, you. And He's somehow near to the brokenhearted. Yeah. And some, and somehow you're getting to this weird place where you know now the bible now the bible is about like hey if you want to overcome your you know like whatever your issue is then you need to realize that you need to love yourself right and you need to uh you know god loves you and so you need to love yourself because you're worth loving and and i i had someone i had a a teacher tell a professor tell me that one time um you know that the the way you counsel people who are in distress is Number one, you teach them that they need to love themselves because God loves them. And if God loves them, then they're worth loving, right? And you can't love other people until you love yourself first. And all of that is just like the total antithesis of what the Bible actually right. says. The Bible, the Bible says that, you know, the unrighteous will love themselves, right? right? The, the righteous, uh, they'll choose to love Christ instead and, and realize that they're sinful and that they need a savior. And um, they'll, they'll, you know, die to themselves. Actually, they won't love themselves. They'll die to themselves. And so, so it just seems like to make this work. Yes. It's what you said. You know, the Bible has, you know, the Bible always gives first for, right. for these people. And, and it, it really does. I mean, I was literally in school being taught these things. Um, and, and they're, I mean, they're just literally anti-Bible. Um, right those teachings and which is re- is really concerning that there's so many Christians well, that just buy into it then. Yeah. So, I mean, in the, in the worst case scenario, what you're doing is it's like moralistic therapeutic deism. Um, so then like the God of the Bible exists to give you like build your self esteem. So what happens like in, in the worst case scenarios with this, when you're trying to mix it is you assume all the doctrines of psychology, like self esteem and all that. And, you know, even though, I mean, not, that's not a model. Psychology is not a monolith, but you know, the self-esteem movement was a big thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you assume those kind of things and then you read those into the Bible, then you distort the Bible to fit that. So that's what's happening in the worst case scenario is you just have um, that happening. Uh, but then, you know, in the best case scenario, you're using like real verses, like God is near to the brokenhearted mm-hmm. to do violent, like to, and you're applying it to a scenario in order to, uh, do something it wasn't designed to do. And that is like to comfort a sinner yeah. in their sin. Right. Yeah. 
Like that's not what it was designed to do. So, but that's not, um, like you're not reading something into it. That's not there in that case. You're just applying it inappropriately. <laughs> right. Does that make, right. Yeah. So, but then, I mean, not uh, obviously I think by and large, like psychology, what it's doing is it's um, removing personal accountability kind yeah. of game. But I mean, you do have like guys like, uh, Jordan Peterson who are, you know, pushing I mean, he's not doing that from a Christian perspective, you know, right. Uh, but you know, who are encouraging moral accountability, but like the labels themselves, they suck away moral accountability. And the more that you're leaning on these labels, like you're just, you're accepting the basic victim framework. And then you're trying to get people to not be, you know, totally limited by like the victim framework to make the best of, you know, their illness and their disability and take responsible steps, you know, to, um, to manage it and to cope with it. And, and yeah. All that. And yeah. So, and, and I think, you know, going back to this, like, okay, best case scenario, what are they trying to do? Well, they're taking verses that do mean something, uh, and they're just misapplying them. I do think there also is, and probably in this best case scenario category, there also is a place for, I, I have seen um, Christians who, who believe in psychology and, and it being this, you know, helpful tool to use, I guess, if you want to put it that way. The who, analytical tool. Yeah. The analytical <laughs> tool. They'll, um, they'll, they'll even take verses that actually do, apply to the situation but then they give them it's almost it's almost because psychology has become so prevalent it is like the and it's become the primary answer to these moral issues that a lot of pastors have actually forgotten or or possibly never even been taught to begin with the actual answers to these issues and so you'll see people who come along and say Hey, you know, you need to, you need to pray, right? Or, all right, you're depressed. Well, you need, you know, you're depressed, you know, that's not like, you're just suffering from depression. That's not your fault, blah, 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 whatever. But, you know, God, God can still comfort you in the midst of this. He can still help you with this. You know, obviously you don't want to stay depressed. Um, So what you need to do is number one, you need to go to a psychologist and do everything that they say and don't question any of it. Uh, and then on top of that, you need to pray, you need to pray to God. Right. And, and that's great because the, you know, the Bible does say, you know, part of the answer to, um, anxiety, for example, is to pray and make your request known to God. Right. Sure. That's part of the answer, but then they just stop there. And so, so I think what probably happens is people do, you know, people take their advice and say, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go to the psychologist and then, you know, I'll pray in the meantime. Maybe they even say, read your Bible every once in a while. If they're, well, if they're feeling really, you know, I think really ambitious. Of, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I think the extent of the Bible stuff uh, in general is that like all they're doing is like, they're using the Bible as a tool for self-esteem in the main, you know, yeah. or you know, to encourage you or to tell you you're wonderful or tell you God cares about you and God loves you and and then, you know, maybe they're encouraging also like Bible reading and prayer as a responsible step to, you know, mm-hmm. but then that's about it. Like, but the, what they're not that doing are, is that they're are not, basically secondary, right? right? They're secondary. But then what they're not doing is they're not treating the Bible as if the Bible has the answers yeah. to these fundamental problems. Yeah. And they're not starting out with the assumption that you're a sinner, you know, and that you are not like that these are sins, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so if you don't, I, I, I mean, if you're not treating depression as a sin, 
committed by a sinner, then we're in different worlds here, man. Right. <laughs> you know, whatever you're doing with the Bible at that point, we're just in different planets. Right. Like and that, and that's what leads people. That's what leads yeah. these guys to the total, just like wrong answer to begin with I, is because the Bible doesn't say just pray and your anxiety will go away. Right. right. And that's what they accuse us of. They accuse us of saying, oh, you just pray the anxiety away. Ha ha ha. It's yeah. like, no, you, you got to deal with like the idols of your heart that yeah. are producing that anxiety and you know you have to you have to figure out well, you know, what do I want in this scenario that I'm not getting, and like 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 what what is leading to these things and what are the you know the deep seated like de- desires that are at war within me, sure. But then like the answer though is we we just have two, two different starting points, you know. So we have two different views of man. Like the you know, the view of the integration is is that man's basically okay. He's just suffering, right? Right. He's suffering. Suffering the from view, the fall or you know whatever. Yeah. You know, and our view is that we're sinners, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So if you don't have any joy in your life, you're dominated by worry. You don't have any peace. Like that's sin, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so we have, it may be sin in response to suffering. Sure. But like, these are sin issues that we're talking about, like with uh, most of what we're talking about here or, you know, just suffering, like suffering kind of issues, but not suffering from a biological ailment, you know, suffering from life and learning how to right. suffer well and suffer in a way that honors the God. So we just have different starting points and, uh, and then we have different like uh, diagnosis of what's actually happening. Yeah. So, you know, like your diagnosis is a quasi medical language that p- paints you as a victim of your biology, right? Our our diagnosis is, hey, we're sinners, and you know these are moral problems, and we're going to treat them as with moral solutions. Well, and I uh, think that's what's so frustrating about these types of conversations with people who disagree uh, with our position is just the fact that they they basically try to boil it down to like hey you know oh you you think the answer is prayer or oh you just think everyone who's depressed or has anxiety they must just have a demon or something uh-huh. right and right. and it's like well hang on like no <laughs> that, that's, well, that's not the extent the... of their yeah that's the extent of their christian experience like and so like these guys they just they've never been in a good church their whole life for the most most of them they've never been in a good church their whole life that, that have you know taught about anything related to sanctification whatsoever right. their extent of it is just like the popular charismatic stuff right and so then they you know they you know hold up their straw man which is just the deliverance ministry charismatic false prophet kind of people and they paint themselves as the heroes of the story because they have their science right over against the mysticism of the charismatics and it's like yeah maybe you should go to a good solid reformed church that that'll you know, teach you to, on, to repent right teach you to repent to teach dwell you on righteousness yeah yeah that will teach you how to live the christian life equip you to you know actually live and you know and i would say that the vast majority of churches are just not teaching on sanctification so the, like nature abhors a vacuum, you know. If you, you have churches that won't touch sanctification with the ten foot pole, then you know either the charismatics will you know cast out your demons, or the psychologists will <laughs> you know drug you to death. But, so okay, I, I guess just to close us out, how um, would you counsel someone uh, who is who is dealing with like they've they've been they've become just overwhelmed with anxiety or depression or anger or whatever it is how how would you counsel them yeah i guess it just you know there's no one size fits all approach to any of that but i mean the general principles are if like um you know if if you're talking about someone with intermittent explosive disorder (laughs) they have to take responsibility for their anger right right like so and the bible has to be allowed to speak to that so you're a sinner right you're a sinner and the bible says the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness that god requires you have to 
you have to hear that, right? Yeah. Uh, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and slander and clamor be, clamor be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. You know, cursed be their anger because it's fear, fierce, right? So like the Bible like, um, you know, describes anger as murder. So <laughs> like heart murder, right? So mm-hmm. you think you, you, you think, um, um, you're justified because you've never killed someone. Well, if you're angry with your brother, you've committed murder essentially in your heart. So like, you have to accept like a spiritual diagnosis for this. This is an anger problem. And if you're going to lean on a materialistic label, you're, you, there's no hope for you with this. Like you're, you're done. Right. So, I mean, step one, like you have to, like, this is sinful anger, you know, and it, with that, something like that, you teach them the difference between righteous anger and sinful anger. Um, you know, righteous anger is about God's priorities, like his kingdom come, his will be done. Yeah. You know, your anger is about like your kingdom come and your will be done, you know, mm-hmm. on, um, uh, in heaven as you know, you want it to be done on earth. Right? <laughs> so, like, uh, you know, anger is, I want what I want, what I want it. Yeah, like, that's what I, you know, we would talk to about James four, you know, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from the desires or pleasure that are waging war in your members? So like the issue is with anger, you have to accept responsibility for it. Then we need to identify like the anger, like the desire that under like um, that is um, producing the anger. Right. Mm-hmm. So where do the wars and fights come? Do they not come from desires for pleasure, waging war in your members? So you, you um, do not, um, you desire and do not have. So you, you fight and quarrel. Right. Um, you do not have because you do not ask. Um, but then, so like the issue is what's the desire? What do you want here that's causing the anger? So you need to accept responsibility for the anger. You need to identify the want that's underneath it. Like, what do you want that you're not getting right now? You evaluate that want. Um, so like, is it a good desire? Is it a bad desire? Um, the text says you do not have because you do not ask. So you should be praying for it if it's a good desire, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you ask and don't receive because you... Um, you yourself is essentially you're one is spending it spending on your pleasures. And so like you think about what's the desire that undergirds the anger. So take responsibility. What's the anger desire that undergirds it? Is it good or bad? Evaluate it. Ask God for it. Uh, learn to trust him with it. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, like you, so you're dealing with the heart desire that's underneath it. Where's that coming from? What's the idol that's underneath that? The thing that if I don't get this, I refuse to be happy. And then, you know, then you need to like learn about like, you know, how the heart works and put on, put off, put on kind of stuff. And so the Bible says, let all bitterness and wrath and clamor be put away from you along with all malice, but then be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. So teach them about what forgiveness means, um, you know, how to resolve conflict. Um, and then, you know, how to not only put away the anger, but then put on kindness and gentleness and graciousness. And yeah. if your enemy hungers, you feed him. If you thirst, give him a drink. You know, so doing, you're going to reap holes of fire on, your, on his head. So it's not just to put off the anger. You're putting on kindness and doing good to your enemies and praying for those who abuse you and despitefully use you. So, I mean, I think there's a lot that, I mean, I'm just, I'm trying to summarize. Right. Yeah. Five, 10 counseling sessions in three minutes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, what I'm trying to say is like, that would be the approach of someone who says the Bible has the answer to inter- intermittent explosive disorder. And we're going to treat it like anger. You need to treat it as if, if it's a sin, you need to repent of it. Right. Like ask forgiveness for it, take responsibility for it, deal with the heart idol that's underneath it. And then, you know, uh, put off the bad behavior and emotions and feelings and put on the good, you know, so you need a comprehensive solution 
uh, to these things, but that's just like a short summary, but you do that with everything, right? Right. So yeah, whatever, whatever we're talking about, we're talking about depression. We're talking about anxiety. We're talking about anger. You're talking about worry. You're talking about fear. You're talking about, um, you know, uh, worldly sorrow. Like we just, you deal with it step at a time. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's a good place for us to wrap this episode up on. And obviously this is a sensitive topic for a lot of people, but we need to be, we need to be people who number one, trust God and trust his word and trust that it is sufficient and, and, um, uh, beneficial to us and that God's word is true and speaks to everything that we need to know, uh, as it pertains to this life and that it, it is, it's actually a guide for us. It's actually a guide for our feet. Um, and, and I think this is no different and it, it feels hard for a lot of people right now, just because like you said, so many people have repeated the lie for so long that, um, it really has for a lot of people, it's obscured the truth for them, uh, when it comes to how to, how to handle these issues and how to look at them rightly and how, um, how to approach them, um, in a, in a loving way with ourselves and with others. Um, and so, so I think we do need to speak with clarity on this. Like I said, I'm going to link, uh, I'm going to link two articles to the bottom of, or in the description of this podcast, wherever you're watching it. And what I want people to do is I want people to read these two articles, uh, whether you agree with our position or you don't agree with our position. I want everyone to read these two articles because uh, Tim and I, we read, we read them both. And I don't know about you, Tim, but I came away with some, um, I came away with, with, I, I had some takeaways from these two articles that I didn't expect to have by the end of it after reading both of them. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to post an article that basically argues for uh, the sort of, you know, psych psychology mixed with, you know, uh, Bible integration. Yeah. Counseling. Integration counseling. Uh, I'll link one article that is defending that. And then I'm going to link another article that is um, arguing against it. That is arguing for, um, a more newthetic type of counseling or, or biblical counseling. And, and I want you to read these two and, and really notice, uh, one of these articles is going to rely heavily on the Bible and not only is going to rely heavily on the Bible, but they're actually going to use the Bible verses correctly. And, <laughs> and the other article, uh, is, is going to mention, a, a few Bible, maybe like one or two. Um, I'm maybe, maybe it's three, <laughs> but you know, not as many, um, Bible passages and the ones that they do use, um, they're the, half the time. They're not even going to be used correctly, or they're going to leave out key information that would help you understand, uh, the broader context of what's being communicated specifically. I mean, some of the Psalms where they, where, the authors of the Psalms uh, are communicating some, it seems like they're, you know, uh, depressed. Uh, basically they're, they're Psalms of, of lament, uh, of sadness, of mourning. Um, and what they leave out in the article is the fact that in, in all of those types of Psalms, what always happens is by the end of the Psalm, they remind themselves of the goodness of God or, or why they shouldn't 
why they shouldn't feel sad, but they, they leave that context out. They only mentioned that the authors were sad. And so I want you to read these two articles and, and just decide for yourself who is at, who does it seem like is relying more on the Bible and what God has actually said? And then ask yourself, which side do you want to be on? Do you want to be on, do you want to be on the side that is using the Bible correctly and is, is using that as the primary foundation for their worldview? Or would you like to be on, on the side that seemingly is not doing that uh, or is not prioritizing that at least? Yeah, they, um, you know, I've read, you know, countless articles trying to plot some kind of middle ground way. And I mean, the Bible is rarely ever used, if at all. But then it's, you know, what's amazing is that they're not actually, they're not actually even defending their own position either. And that's something that you can look at too when you try to compare the two kind of perspectives on this. And like they're not even defending their own perspective. It's just assumed that these things are medical, you know, with no evidence given whatsoever. You know, it's just taken for granted that, yeah. oh, these must be medical problems. The only, yeah. the only evidence are emotional appeals. Yeah, it's just emotional appeals to, like, um, you know, d- doesn't it feel more loving to give yeah. people medical excuses? Yeah. But that's all that generally is ever happening. That no one's ever treating the objections on the other side very seriously. But then those who are, you know, making the case um, for the Bible are dealing with the actual realities on the ground much, much more carefully. Yeah. So like I said, I'll link those two articles and re- seriously read them and decide for yourself. Uh, who do you think is relying on what God has actually said? So, but with all that being said, uh, we want to thank you guys again uh, for listening to us week in and week out for supporting us, uh, for interacting with us on social media through email. We appreciate all that. It's fun to, it's fun to hear uh, how God is using what we're doing to sanctify you guys and equip you guys and encourage you guys. I, I think one of the one of the things that we want to do with this podcast is is show people that um, it is okay to speak boldly about these things, and there are people out there uh, who who are trying to do that. And and our our goal or part of our goal is to uh, not just not just be the sort of lightning rod for these kinds of things, even though sometimes we are in in our community, but then uh, to equip all of you out there listening to understand that, um, that you can say these things as well and, and give you the understanding, um, and, and the sort of thought process behind everything so that you can communicate it to the people in your life as well. So, so we encourage you guys to do that. And until we see you guys again on the next episode, thanks. This has been another episode of Bible Bashed. We hope you have been encouraged and blessed through our discussion. We thank you for all your support and ask you to continue to like and subscribe to Bible Bashed and share our podcast with your friends and on social media. Please reach out to us with your questions, pushback, and potential topics for us to discuss in future episodes at BibleBashedPodcast at gmail.com and consider supporting us through Patreon. If you would like to be Bible Bashed personally, then please know that we also offer free biblical counseling, which you can take advantage of by emailing us. Now, go boldly and obey the truth in the midst of a biblically illiterate world who will be perpetually offended by your every move.